We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, tenulating, and money-making Dr. Carl Born Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, what up, what up? It's me. I'm here. No, I'm excited <laughs> to be here, y'all. For real, for I know I've said this before and every time I mean it, but y'all gonna wanna like, if you're driving, pull over. If you're at the crib, tell the kids to go to bed. You're gonna wanna pay attention to this because you're about to get so much game like you're not even ready for this so this is going to be a powerful one facts listen this this just might be this might end up being our our highest episode honestly i'm gonna just go ahead and speak it out into existence we had a we had a real estate guru man about a, a year and a half and man that episode did numbers but i don't think that episode gonna do numbers compared to this one right here so I mean, y'all already know every episode for us is about bringing you guests that can upgrade your life, your business, your brand, whatever you need, we got it for you here at OTC. So of course, today is no exception. With that being said, our guest today is the ultimate, I said the ultimate federal government contracting guru. He went from gas to cash. I know you like that. You got to use that one. He went from gas to cash, you feel me? and is staking his claim at the top in his industry. Along with building his empire in federal government contracting, he is also an alumni of Rick Ross's Boss Up Conference. It's a beautiful day to boss up, come on. Mm -hmm. He is none other than the living legend. We got Mr. Jason J. White in the building. Yes, sir. (laughs) What's up, baby, how you feel, man? I like I like the introduction. I like from gas to cash. You feel me? I like that. <laughs> you got to put that on the book. Come yes, on, bro. sir. I like we that. Do. I can't even front. We do our homework over here at OTC, man. We got to bring you in the right way. You know what I'm That's saying, up, man? So, peace, peace and uh, blessings, man. I'm happy to be here. Real talk. Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. So, you know, we like to be respectful of your time, man. And with that being said, we always kind of like to start the show off with like the why, you know, mm-hmm. because it's so it's so important for people to know out of everything you've built, out of everything that you've been able to accomplish, you know, how you got started, why you got started right so just right out the gate man tell us like why did you even get into into the the government contracting like like how did this happen like school us real quick yeah man that's crazy because i don't know right my a lot of people are afraid to use those three words but they're my favorite three words i don't know when i don't know what made me take an interest when my homeboy said yo i'm here to do federal government contracts well, I don't know what made me take an interest to that like I did. It was just something about that I never heard it before. I'm like, all right, federal government contracts, I can fool with it. I don't know what it is, though, but it sounds like it's something I can rock with. So you got to understand, when, you, when I'm at the gas station working, I have, no, I have nothing else, right? I don't have a plan B, a plan C. My goal was to just be the best gas station attendant move to manager, and then possibly own that gas station, possibly. Like ownership was like so far away from me. Entrepreneurship wasn't even a word in my vocabulary. So when people ask me why, I don't know why, but what kept me going was I felt good about it. You know what I'm saying? Like it took me three years to win my first contract. I started in 2008. I didn't win my first one until 2011. But I just felt good about it. I felt like I was doing good. I felt like I was learning. I hadn't, I had, to that point, I hadn't learned anything new in years. I'm talking about nothing new. I don't, I don't read books. I don't, I didn't, didn't listen to audio. I did no self-development or personal development, none of that. So now I'm learning. I'm getting new vocabulary. I'm tweaking my own skills that I already possess. And I'm noticing I'm sharpening those skill sets, my listening skills, my communication skills, how I quickly bounce back from a no. Like I'm sharpening those skills. 
my street smart stuff is kicking in when I'm talking to these business people. I'm loving the progress that, that is becoming the new me. That's one of the things that kept me going. And that's why I, I really understood why I'm succeeding. But when I got started, because somebody else asked me, why did you get started? I'm like, man, I don't even know. But it just felt good. It was something in my soul that just felt right. Man, first of all, let me let me ask you this question, too, because I think I think for a lot of people, you said something in particular that stood out to me. Right. Mm -hmm. You said you didn't see anything past the gas station. But at the same time, you were like you were going to be the best gas station attendant, which was going to lead you to being in management, which would one day hopefully put you at ownership. Right. And I think yeah. a lot of people, they don't even they don't even realize, like, even in their space, they still got to excel extreme right a lot of people just look at it like it is what it is and i'm just going to exist whatever but for you you had that you had that fire so here's my question then because you said you started in 2008 you didn't see a contract for three years yeah right yeah what pushed you to keep going and keep looking even during those phases because like a lot of people I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, if I go six months without seeing it, I'd be like, God, maybe we gotta, <laughs> we gotta figure something out. Yeah, switch it up, man. It ain't working. It, it ain't meant to be for you. Yeah, man. Uh, that's crazy that I, I'm, I'm super, super, super competitive. I don't want to lose. I do want to be the best in every single thing I do. Like, my competitive nature is so strong. I don't even know sometimes when I'm being ultra competitive, other people around me might be like, yo, calm down. We just out here for charity. We out here for, I'm like, man, scratch that. I'm trying to win. What you talking about? I'm all about winning. So for three years, I was quote unquote losing in my mind, not learn, not understanding that I'm having lessons learned. That I'm actually learning this thing. I'm getting better. So that second year, I had a woe is me moment for the whole second year. I'm like, man, this ain't working. I got to do better. I got to switch it up. This ain't for me. Who, who am I kidding? A dude with a PhD? How am I supposed to learn this? A public high school diploma? That's all I got, right? I got my PhD, my public high school diploma. How can I learn this for referral? Stop kidding yourself, Jay. Like, tighten up. So I had that whole, the whole second year was a whole self-pity party type of year for me. I picked it back up that third year because my man's uh, that went to prison, my man's mom came up and visited me at the gas station and she like, hey, yo, how you doing? You ain't visit my son, but here's a message from him. And she gave me the message. I was like, yo, let me get back on my horse, man. Like, I, I, I'm close. I know I'm close. I got to stop having a pity party. But that was one of the things that re-energized me and refueled me to make me continue to make me drive towards just hitting a contract or submitting a proposal. Because at that point, I talk about, I talk about, um, you know, it took me three years to win my first contract, but for, I don't say, I don't say this part a lot. It took me three years to win my first contract, but for almost two years, I never even submitted one proposal for almost two years. After I learned how to submit proposals, then you couldn't stop me. You couldn't stop me at that point. It was over. I was like, yo, I got it. I'm submitting proposals. I just got to get my price point right. But that's one of the things that kept me going. I'm super, super competitive. My, my homeboy's mom came back up to the gas station and gave me a message from my man, and I was back. I was back like I never left, back like the four or five. <laughs> nah, I love that. I love that, man, because it, it's so important to tell people that because me, me, me and Paul were even talking about it earlier. Like, there's so many people that are entrepreneurs that they, they, they like to show you the glitz and glam, you know, they yeah, like to be like, yeah, I got, I got this much money or I got this going on, but it's like, stop it. Now, you know, you took some L's, right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's part of the game, yeah. you know? So I think it's so important that you talk about that, man, because like Paul said, six months and I'm kind of like, all right, we might have to make something else shake. Cause this might not be it, you know? But real talk, let me tell you this though. That's yeah. I, I tell people, I'm not better than anybody. I just recognize that I'm different. So my endurance is my endurance is crazy. Like I can endure. I did it. I did three years. So now when you talk about, oh, you got to invest $50,000 and you're not going to see that $50,000 times five until three years later. All right, cool. Put that 50000 Like it, my endurance is strong, but that makes, that separates me, right? Because I ain't better than nobody. I just recognize I'm, I'm instantly different. I can hang in there. You know what I mean? I, I can hang in there because I know you can always tell when it's a bigger picture. 
when it's bigger than you or bigger than the things around you, you can see it, you can visualize it, but everybody don't got that. That's why some people, six months, three months, two weeks, they like, nah, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, no, that's that's a solid point. So let me ask you with that being said, because you just talked about your endurance. And I think it, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that success leaves clues. 100%. People that are successful have certain traits that people are not successful don't have, right? Mm -hmm. And so speaking for yourself, you know, you just mentioned the endurance, but what would you say you believe your top three success habits are that are that's allowing you to continuously you know, take it to the next level and be successful in this field? Man, top three. So it got to be my communication skills. My communication skills is bar none. Like, I don't I don't mind saying something that needs to be said, even if it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm going to be straight, direct to the point. Also, too, uh, I, got a I got a lot of mental calluses in my head because of how I grew up. So you can't push me down and don't think I'm a, and think I'm going to stay there. I'm getting right back up. Life punched me in the face. One time, I'm going to start dog, dogging and weaving, right? Most people just keep getting hit and hit and hit. Now, I got a mental callus. You hit me one time, cool. Now, I understand how to go around that punch. I know it's coming. I know where it's coming from. So, my communication skills, my mental callus. I think the third thing is that a lot of people don't understand is I keep my circle really, really tight. So, now, the outside noise that might be negative I got the people in my circle saying, hey, I know it might look like this, but try this out. Not the people that saying, not the people in your corner say, hey, I know it might look like this. Do something different. This ain't for you. That negative stuff. I don't got yes people in my corner. I got people that's going to kick it to me straight like it's supposed to be to make me evaluate and do self-awareness for my next goal or my next place or whatever the next position is. So my circle is extremely tight. My mental callus is strong and my communication skills is bar none. If I if I got to say it, I'm going to say it over the phone and I'm not doing it over email. So that way, you know, where I'm coming. You know exactly how I'm coming. Most people in business, they would rather get on the phone than email you to death. But people that get started I, and I got to train a lot of my students. Hey, get off that email, get off that text and pick up the phone so they can hear your voice. It ain't nothing like hearing somebody's voice. Now you can't. Now you can't misunderstand the message because you're going to hear my inflection, my tone, and how direct or indirect I'm trying to be over the phone. So that communication is, is a big thing, but that my circle is a bigger thing too. I want to hit that uh, circle part. Here's why I'm bringing it up. Because, and it's funny too, because I think Carl and I, we kind of experienced it, kind of moving on in life. But I know for a lot of people, like once you... Once you really start seeing success, yeah, right, you start to notice a couple of things. Yeah, one, it's like, yo, okay, the way I used to rock and the way I'm trying to move right now may not really be aligned. Hundred percent. Right? <laughs> so, so here's 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 a two part question. The first is how do how do you handle like? Because I don't believe like I got FOMO like crazy with certain things, so I don't like doing to people what like I would hate be done to me. So I don't mm -hmm. believe it cut people off, but I feel like certain friends I got to keep for like, if I go back home, I'm gonna rock with you there. But when I'm here, you're gonna get a text or two, once in, right? So how do you deal with that? Like when you're getting more successful, the boys back at the crib, right? If they're not trying to move forward with you, how do you deal with that? And then two, as you're building your circle, what are you looking for to be like, all right, bet I'm trying to get better. So that's why I need to be around. That's a good question. So my circle is already built. Somebody else asked me this. This is, this is a good question. My circle is already built. Nobody can't come in my circle. That's done. Right. But my uh, networking and my affiliations and my associations, they grow. Right. So a lot of times when people talk about circle, they, they think, oh, if we do business together, you're in my circle. Or oh, if we ate dinner together, you're in my circle. Nah, nah, nah. You ain't in my circle just because we ate dinner. Just because we made money together, you ain't in my circle. You know what I mean? You'll quickly understand if you're in my circle, you met my mama. You know my kids. You know my kids' names for real. You know the next basketball game I'm going to. That's my circle, right? Because people have all type of motives when you get to a certain level why they want you around them. They want you around them because of what you can benefit, how they can benefit from you and vice versa. Because I do the same thing. Oh, I need, I need Paul around me because Paul is connected to the mayor of New York City. So let me befriend Paul so I can meet the mayor. 
that don't mean I'm cool with you for real. You ain't in my circle, right? So that's the first thing. I don't, my circle is a, is a wrap, that's done. But my networking and my associations, they continuously grow because I want everybody to, if you can benefit from me, I'm gonna figure out a way to benefit from you. And that's just business. That, now we're just doing this together and that's cool. But that, that don't mean you're in my circle. With the boys back home, they fall off on their own. I don't gotta cut them off. They fall off on their own, case in point. If I come around the way and you don't wanna say what's up to me, cool. Or if I come around the way and I notice that you acting a little funky for whatever the reason, I know I know what time it is with you. But that's but I can't I can't um, pay attention to. I guess I use it that way. I can't pay attention to the things that they're no longer. No, I, let me say it like this: I can't pay attention to the things that they no longer choose to uh, heed advice from me anymore. Meaning, when I come around, I'm like, "Hey, y'all still doing this?" And they say stuff like, yeah, we still doing this. We ain't never changing, man. We here for life. All right, cool. I, your mindset is still back in 1999 when we said streets for life. But now it ain't streets for life no more. We got families. We got careers. We got money. We got too much to lose. So when I know mentally you're not growing and mentally your speech is still the same, I can't fool you. You can fall off on your own. I'm going to love you from afar. Like you said, I'm going to shoot you a text, boy. And when I pull up, it's like, yo, what's up? You ain't getting to my car, though. I'm out. <laughs> I know what time it is with you. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's real. Um, and I actually like the way you des described the circle portion, too, because yeah. you're absolutely right. A lot of people just make the assumption just because we shared food, we broke bed together, we made some cash, now we're tight. And absolutely not like yeah, yeah, that's 100%. not how it rolls your circle is the foundation of who you are and it allows for you to be able to do those other things but people got to be able to figure that out quickly so yeah. quick follow-up question then because i think obviously as you succeed and like you kind of progress in life right mm -hmm. there there's and you kind of talked about it a little bit where before when you were at the gas station you weren't doing the reading you weren't doing the personal development right yeah that but obviously to get to that next level you you got to right there yeah. So yeah. then where did it start for you with the personal development or like the reading where you said, okay, there's something I'm missing and I got to figure it out. Did you find a person or were you just like, here's a book. Let me start. Let me go. Man. So this might be a shocker. I still don't read books. I, I still don't listen to audio. What I do, my personal development game is crazy though. Like listening to Ed Milet, listening to Eric Thomas, listening to Darren Hardy, listening to uh, my mentors, uh, that I, I listen to them a little bit differently. Some of my older uncles, I listen to them a little bit differently now than I used to because they always will say something that made me say, hey, you know what, that's crazy. I, I got I to gotta shift my mindset. But my personal development game started probably like around um, 20, maybe like around 2012, 2011, 2012, something like that. Like somebody sent me a, a YouTube video. I started to watch it and instantly, you, you, you know, when you get something, you're like, all right, man, I never thought of something like that before. Whatever that message was, was coming through the screen or through the phone, whatever was being said, I was like, yo, I always been a good dude, meaning meaning like this. If I'm walking behind you, Carl, and you drop your wallet, I'm going to be like, hey, yo, you drop your wallet, here you go. I never was a dude to see somebody do something crazy and then put it in my, I, I, I was always a good guy in terms of wanting karma to come back to me correctly. Right. But I never thought of how internally I could develop a better uh, third eye, better communication, uh, a, a better uh, a better sense of self-awareness. I never thought of it like that. So the personal development yeah, probably started like 2012 and I never stopped because I'm always looking to now develop myself better because I got people depending on me that I don't even know. So I can't stop the personally developing myself for the individuals that need me. You know what I mean? Outside of the circle, outside of all that. I got people watching my videos and Instagram that I don't even know, but they're depending on me in ways that I can't even relate to sometimes. So I got to continue to, to personal develop myself. 100%. Now that's fire right there. Um, I want to, I want to kind of, kind of take things in a different direction now. And this is just, from a standpoint of talking about the the, the contracting now, right? Because we got to talk about that. <laughs> and 
I know, you know, before we before we hit record, we were kind of talking about the different industries you're in. But since we're since we're a, a healthcare podcast okay. as well as entrepreneurship, let's let's talk about that section of things a little bit. So talk to me about what it looks like to be able to get into government contracting from a healthcare standpoint. And what would you say are like the the hot spots? Like if you're if you're going into this these are the things you should be looking to get contracted for. All right, so that's a good question, but that's a, what they be saying, that's a loaded question, right? Yeah, loaded one, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that, that's extremely loaded. Here's why I'm saying that's loaded, because the healthcare industry is very uh, fluent with the federal government because you got the Department of Veteran Affairs, right? That's one of the largest departments in the federal government, period. So you got, all types of contracts. Now, when most people think of federal government contract thing, they think about what they can do. That ain't the goal. The goal isn't what you can do. I teach my students, I don't care what you can do. It's always about what you can manage. Can you manage the contract and or can you manage the company that's going to do the work on your contract? The answer is always yes. It's a different, it's a different mindset. So anybody that has a nursing degree, anybody that's looking to get in you know, staffing or uh, what, whatever, you know, uh, what, what's those homes, group homes and all of these nursing homes and all that good stuff. The federal government has that. But you as a business owner or a new business owner or oh, shouldn't think about getting a contract to do the work. You should be thinking about getting in the medical field. So somebody that's already has that medical company already formulated can do the work on your federal government contract now you can continue to build another company outside of the federal government because your time isn't stuck with the federal government there's another company already doing it so i just teach people how to utilize other people's company to do the work on your federal government contract regardless of the industry but definitely in the medical field 100 percent so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you a follow-up now because of yeah. that 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 was a major gem that was a wow. Yeah, I'm gonna play that one back. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so like for for myself and Paul specifically, one of the things that we've been talking about doing and we've been looking into is what does it look like to build out like a um a travel physical therapy agency, right? <laughs> because I'm a PT and uh paul's fiance is a pt so you know he's in this world as well and we've been trying to figure out from a a, a broader spectrum or a bigger scale like what that would look like so is there a way that that ties into the government contracting or is that like a separate entity and i just asked because you kind of talked about you know being able to bridge off of someone who's in that arena's company you know yeah. to, to kind of build out the contract so i'm just trying to make sure i understand things correctly no it's all good so it's, it's like this so my company's been formulated since 2008 inside the federal government you guys got your own company i go find it's, it's just as simple as this i go find a solicitation that your company inside the medical field can actually perform physical therapy physical training uh, whatever it may be, your company can actually perform the scope of work that the federal government is asking for. I call y'all company and say, hey, can y'all do this work? Can y'all perform this work at this level? And y'all say, yes, Y'all, I'm going to ask you for a quote. Okay, every month, y'all going to want 15,000, 15 racks, right? Okay, cool, no problem. I put my money on top of y'all 15 racks. Let's say, let's say I do $6,000. So my proposal to the federal government every month is 21,000. I send it up. In the proposal format, I win the contract. Y'all getting what y'all asked me for. Y'all getting y'all 15000 every single month. But I'm getting my six, and y'all doing the work. But because my company was already approved to do federal government contracting, I'm getting my six, too, every single month. And everybody happy. Y'all working. I'm still going to look for other contracts, still going to look for other companies like y'all to continue to do the work on other federal government contracts that I'm going to be awarded. So that's the process. That's how it works. So as long as you guys can handle the workload, we can roll. Yeah. Let's break it down a little bit, too, because I think, yes, you know, I, I heard you talk about 
the different levels, right? Where the federal is different, like um, versus like state versus like local versus, I mean, I'm from like a, technically it's called a village in Michigan, yeah. like, like 2000 people. So <laughs> broken down into it, it's like, there's different things that go with the different things. So how does that break down for contracting federal versus state versus local versus like city? So people again, I don't even know how the state, local and city contracts work. I've never even tried. I've, I've, I've never even tried at all. The federal level is amazing because there's a federal facility in all 50 states. So where you said you're, you're, you're in your village, if you were just working state contracts, you can only rock with Michigan contract. But you can't work Texas. You can't work Florida, uh, you know, Virginia, Maryland. You can't work those. But because you're working, operating at a federal level, you can work in any contract, any state, any city. It don't even matter because you're allowed to be in every facility that the, every state that there's a facility and there's a facility in all 50 states. So the other levels, I don't know nothing about those levels. Now I know you can make money on those levels because I've met some individuals that's doing it big uh, on those levels, but that ain't my, you know, if I'm already, if I'm, if I come out the gate in eighth grade playing varsity, then I'm just going to keep playing varsity. I ain't going down to JV. That's point. <laughs> yeah. I ain't doing that. <laughs> Nah, that's solid. So looking at it now and going back to like when you first got started, mm -hmm. if you if you could go back and give yourself advice, what would you have said that you feel would have really made the difference for you between being able to see that success sooner? Quicker, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that's this is not a bad question. This is a good question. So I, I probably would have told myself have more patience with myself. I, I, I'm a I, I'm not a perfectionist, but I want to learn, and when, and I don't have I don't have patience with other people, so I don't even have patience with myself. But during this process, if I would have had patience with myself, I wouldn't have had that "woe is me" pity party moment I had that whole second year because I would have had patience. Like, yo, Jay, chill. You learning? You don't think you learning, but you learning it. You getting it. Just relax, calm down. I was so a lot of times I was uh I was like frustrated with myself because I felt like I wasn't moving. I felt like I wasn't getting it. I felt like I wasn't retaining the information. So I definitely would have told myself, "Hey, my guy, chill out, man. Have some patience. You be alright." Because I probably could have started knocking stuff off the park that first year, that 2008 year. I probably could have started killing them, but I just was in a rush. You know what I mean? And so a lot of times I tell my students. Just relax. Who said it's supposed to take this amount of time? How you know it ain't supposed to be longer or shorter? Who said? Who giving you time frame? A lot of times, though, we put unrealistic expectations in terms of time on ourselves. And I did that. So that's why I'm like, I would give myself the advice of just chill, my guy, and be patient. 100%. Man, that patience is, is key. It's a virtue for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, man, like, and I'll tell you this, because I know for us, man, being in business, it's been, it's been not a roller coaster, but you know, they always talk about like at the start, you just kind of, you come in with ideas, just <laughs> you feeling good, man. I'm about to get this bag and all this stuff. And then, like, you're just like, okay, life pumped me now. I don't yep. really see anything. Um, so that patience is real, man. Uh, question. Yes, sir. In a contract, besides you, who's the most important person? And what I mean by that, is who is the person on a contract that if you don't continually communicate with them or they got to be in the know constantly, everything's going to fall away? It's easy. The subcontractor, right? Because they're the ones doing the work. If I don't talk, if I don't have a, a, a bridge or open line of communication with, with Paul and Carl, who's working on my contract, then it's going to fall apart. I'm not there. Right. I'm in Houston, but the contract is being worked in Oakland, California. I'm not there. I'm not flying there. I'm not check. I'm not doing that either. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure you guys have the tools that you need in terms of, hey, are you guys getting access every day? Is the schedule on point? How you guys feel about the work you're doing? Like little things like that. I'm going to make sure our line and our rapport is good enough. So you guys feel like you can come to me with anything and vice versa. But if I don't talk to y'all, that thing falling through the cracks real hard. It ain't even going to fall through the cracks. It's just going to fall through the floor. 
And now I'm going to be left holding the bag, but that ain't even scary. A lot of my students think that's scary. That's part of the process. There will be a lot of times where, you know, you can have good uh, communication with the subcontractor and they still don't perform to the level that they said they can perform to. It's almost like this. I don't know how old y'all are, but I could put in a resume today, put a whole bunch of junk on a resume that I didn't do, right? Just to get the interview. I get in the interview, I'm still hitting it with a bunch of fluff. And I get the job. I don't know how to do this damn job, but I got it now. Now, guess what I got to do? I got to perform. I done been fired so many times because I'm thinking I can finesse my way to figure it out. But they watching you. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing in the federal government space, man. These people create these nice looking websites. They put their their best representative on the phone. You bring them onto your contract. And every blue moon, that company just really don't didn't know what they was doing. So you got to hurry up and get them out of there. But you still got to communicate with them. Because as you communicate with them, everybody got a BS radar, right? You know when somebody BSing you. So now, now as I'm talking to them every day, I'm like, man, they don't know what they doing. And you got to go with your gut to either get them out of there or try to help them figure it out. And most, not 10 times out of 10, I'm just getting them out of there. But yeah, you got to communicate with your subcontractor heavy. 100%. So like on a, on a contract, because obviously a lot of this, y'all listening to listeners, a lot of this is going to be, he teaches it to students. So yeah. I'm not going to ask too much of the juice because y'all got to go <laughs> and pay them like, hey, you pay for something, you pay better attention. That's there you go. If you pay, so you me, pay attention. If you pay, you pay attention. Let me ask you this question though. So is it your responsibility as a contract owner to communicate with a subcontractor like every day, every week? Or how does it, how's that set up? It's up to you, right? It's up to your, it's up to your level of management. I'm not a micromanager, but I, I'm stern with the expectations of the federal government. The federal government is giving me the expectations. I'm the middle company. I'm the middleman. So I have to make sure those expectations are being carried out by my subcontractor 100%. With that, it ain't can't, it can't be 99.9. They got to be 100%. So I am responsible with communicating the expectations of whatever the scope of work is. And I'm going to do it at a level where I'm not making them feel like they're being micromanaged. Because everybody, I mean, hell, every nobody likes to be micromanaged. Even, you know, when I was growing up at the crib, my mom would come to my room every five minutes. I'm like, yo, hey, yo, what you doing? Like, at some point, you got to cook. You got to Go to sleep yourself, right? You come into my room. Every, my mom was micromanaging your boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it ain't no different. Nobody likes that feeling that somebody always over your shoulder. So you don't want to do the same thing to these individuals. You want to make them feel comfortable, make them feel like you're you're giving and you're trusting them to do the work that they say they can do. So, so I want to ask you now because first off this is fire like i hope i hope listeners i hope y'all taking notes i hope y'all about to go join this course like this is some serious fire that's being put down um, of course of course so i wanna i wanna ask you just from a, a standpoint of what you've been able to do so far you know and where you want to go what would you say are probably like your top three things left on your entrepreneurial bucket list? Oh man, that's a real good question. So I'm getting ready to start, me and my team, we're going to start attacking the school systems, the high schools and the, the junior colleges and uh, universities in terms of helping them understand a real entrepreneur journey in business. Most of the time you got these business classes that really don't know how to teach business. They teach like, I don't know. I don't even know if the, if it's the foundational pieces of business. They teach us some some garbage for real. So I'm I'm going to attack the school system with understanding a real entrepreneur journey from the business standpoint. That's the first thing I'm doing. The second thing I'm doing is I'm going to create a sportsplex back in my hometown, right? So that way, when AAU tournaments of all kind of AAU tournaments, basketball, football, uh, field hockey, um, soccer they're going to be able to convene at the sportsplex. And then the locals, they can come hoop too and, and play tag and frisbee and all that, all that good stuff. That's the second thing I'm doing. The third thing I'm doing is I'm going to develop into a, uh, 
a real estate development company. So I'm already a financial leg of real estate development, uh, Beezer Homes. I'm already a financial or a piece of a financial leg for Beezer Homes development. So I'm going to create my own real estate development company where we we're going to do what we do in terms of developing um, townhomes, homes. And I don't know, if, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily want to say it's going to be for uh, underdeveloped neighborhoods or, or stuff like that. I don't want to think of it like that. I'm just going to be a development company that's just going to really corner a certain area of the market that a lot of development companies aren't doing. And it's a whole nother platform, a whole nother strategy. So when you talk about what's next in my entrepreneurial journey, those th three things are top because I'm actually formulating them right now. So I'm going to just go ahead and say then once them three things get accomplished. Yeah. Remember, y'all heard it first on OTC <laughs> podcast. <laughs> 100%, man. I dropped the bomb. I dropped the bomb right here, OTC. Right here. You know what I'm saying? So yes, sir. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing you accomplish that, man. That's that's going to be phenomenal. Yes, sir. So, let me ask you also, because you got your hands in a lot of stuff, right? And even before we, we started the episode, we talked about being able to, you know, like having your passion is cool, you know, but if it's not making you no money, you need to figure out how you can make some money to be able to continue to build. Mm -hmm. you know? And so with you having your hands and everything that you've been involved in, what does it look like from a marketing perspective for you? Like what, what have you found has been the most uh, influential means of being able to, to get your marketing out there? Like, are, are you specifically ads or is there anything that's kind of like a gray area as well that you're like, I need to know more about that. All right. So peep game. If, if you had a million dollars today, you don't got to do no marketing. People going to know you got a million dollars. They going to know, oh, man, he got some money. I need to pitch to him so he can invest with my company. There ain't no marketing needed. You know what I'm saying? When people know, when you go to certain meetings and your name starts to float around that you have capital, whether you're utilizing it or not, you don't have to do any marketing. They, the deals just come to you, and then you and your team figure out what's the best deal in terms of return or the quickest way to get a return from this deal. Does it make sense? All right, I'm going to provide, okay, I got $75,000, but when I'll get my $75,000 back and how much money we putting on top of that 75? You know what I mean? So now that you got, when you got money or you got a certain level of money, ain't no marketing to be done. They coming for you. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, and they relentless. Everybody got, everybody has an amazing idea. Everybody. What they don't have is the money to fuel this amazing idea that's going to change the world and it's going to be sprinkles and glitters everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's crazy how people pitch to you. They don't never, they never be themselves. So I, so when it's almost like a, a shark tank type of deal, man, like I get emails, I get phone calls. Hey, I want to have this meeting. I want to pitch this idea to you because I need $200,000. Okay, cool. How are you going to utilize my $200,000? You know what I mean? I got to hear this. And then when it don't sound good, because they ain't make it sound good. They look at you funny. Hey, but you can't it be. Like, you you know what I mean? You, you asking for my bread. So I got to make sure if I hand you 200 large, I'm going to be able to get my 200 large back plus whatever the percentage is that we agree upon. So it is no, so it's no marketing needed. I think the biggest, to answer the question directly, the biggest thing is just to have in the capital, the available capital. A lot of people do have capital. They might have it but it might be tied up into real estate, into stocks, into something else. But I got liquid, right? Uh, you, so when you get to a certain level, make sure you have some liquid, some liquid money, money you can actually touch. So if somebody says, hey, I need you to invest and you like it, you don't got to wait, you know, two weeks, three weeks to pull it out of this and pull it out of that. Just have a little bit of liquid so you can be like, all right, cool, here you go. You know what I mean? So one of the biggest pieces is just having the available capital to invest in whatever I need to, but it ain't no marketing needed. When, you, when they know you got money, they coming. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> Don't even true. Oh, <laughs> uh, y'all know that young Dolph song? I'm talking about if you ain't got no money, if you ain't talking money, I don't want to talk. <laughs> I'm gonna call you back. All right, listen, listen. Uh no, let me actually no. Before before I ask my question, it just what you just said triggered a thought 
and something I heard on a podcast I was listening to uh, okay. on my way back from the gym this morning. And I wrote it down because I was like, I needed to uh, process it, right? right I, yeah. like, I need to process it. So I'm going to read it. That's what I'm doing right here. But it said, people think they believe something and they're not aware of the fact that their actions are saying they really don't believe. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. the reason why I'm, I'm saying this, people believe, they say they believe something, but everything they're doing says they don't. Right. Yeah. The reason why I bring this is because, and you brought it up, like at, at a certain point, when you hit a certain level, you're not thinking about the problems that I'm calling regular people think about, <laughs> right? Because yeah. your thought process is at a different place. Right. A lot of people are thinking like, yo, how do I make it till tomorrow? A lot yeah, of people yeah, think, how do yeah. I make it to next week? You're thinking about, yo, we're trying to make some major, major moves, make sure these kids understand how to get into this game, put the sport plex up, do all these things. Yeah. So then for you, and it's a two-part question, I can ask the second part after you answer the first part, but how do you think? And what I mean by that is how do you process like big decisions? Man, real quick, like I don't, I, I don't procrastinate, even though it might be a big decision. Hey, uh, we, we need such and such to, to help build 138 new townhomes. I'm like, all right, how much money is it for me? How, when I'm gonna get it back? Like once I hit those two, I'm, I'm making my decision. Who I, I say this to myself when I'm making decisions. If you study long, you study wrong. If I, if I wait and I say, oh, let me see the numbers again. Okay. What is it projected for this? What is it protect? I keep asking a bunch of questions. Guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm taking myself out the realm of making a sound decision. Most people know accurate decisions right like this. You know it. But some people are like, oh, let me research the research the research. Let me keep doing research. And now you don't went down a rabbit hole and now you're to confuse yourself. Now your questions that you really had that you needed to make the decision, you don't even know what those are no more. Because now you, you got confused about something you heard or something you did research on. You don't even know. So I make decisions real quick, man. I, I think like this, how much money I'm going to make from it and when I'm going to get that money back. That's it. If I get those two questions answered and I like the answer, I'm making a decision. If I don't like the answer, I'm, I'm just going to say, no, nah, I'm good. I don't even have to. All right. Me personally, I don't have to like the product or service. Some people invest because they want to like the product and service and that's how they do theirs. I don't need to like the product or service, right? It could be a whole, uh, it could be a whole vegan platform. I ain't vegan. I'm finna go eat some wings in a little bit. I ain't vegan. You know what I mean? But if the vegan platform makes sense and make money, I mean, where we at? You know what I'm saying? So I make I make my sound decisions really, really quickly. And the way I think is gonna make me money and how fast is it gonna make me money. And then I'm in. Either I'm in or I'm out, just based off of that. Cause I'm like you said, my I'm always thinking about how to continuously have my money to make money. If my money is just sitting, my liquid cash that I got, that I purposely have over here, if it's just sitting, it's doing me no good. I might as well take it and throw it into a piece of property or put it into the stocks or put it into something, IRA or something. But I need to always think about how this money that I got allocated to make me money, what's the next move? Where can I put this money at? So my mind is always thinking like that. All right. Uh, so here's a, here's the second part of my question. Yeah. Clearly, you made a, a couple of dollars in your lifetime. Yeah. Um, so a little, a little something. You know, a little something. <laughs> you made a little something along the way. But now, here, here, here's this question then. And it could be one or the other. Do you seek out opportunities or do opportunities seek you out? What I mean yeah. by that is you go looking for like, Yo, let me go ahead and invest this thing, or you just wait, or you at that point in your life where like people are just gonna come every single day. <laughs> I just gotta make decisions. So I got a hustler spirit, period. I still got it. So I'm gonna go look for uh certain investments and then I'm gonna fall back and wait for other ones to fall on my lap. I can't sit on the sidelines, man. I don't know how. I don't know how to sit still. If I see and hear somebody else, all right. So you know these associates and the people that I network with. If I hear that they made an investment in something, I'm going to seek after it because they made it for a reason. You know what I'm saying? So now I got to go see if it's, if it's beneficial for me and the money that I have allocated towards it, or even if I can afford it because some investments I just can't afford, right? I don't care how much money you got. Every investment, you can't afford it, whether it's 
the long game or the initial upfront cost, sometimes you just can't afford an investment, even though it's a sound decision. So if I'm always, I'm always been a hunter, I'm never going to stop being a lion. You know, lions hunt, we hunt. So I'm always going to hunt for the next deal. But then I'm going to sit back and lay the trap too. You feel me? I'm going to lay the Venus fly trap and chill and wait for it to fall in my lap. Because sometimes um, wait, being patient, like I would have told myself in 2008, that patience is a virtue. I, sometimes I just got to be patient and wait for the best deal to fall in my lap for that quarter. So I make investments per quarter. I make big investments every quarter. So you do four a year. Next year, you you eating off of the first investment that you made in the first quarter of the previous year. So I made, I ain't, even, I ain't even mean to say all that, but bump it. If you're doing investments, you need to do big investments per quarter. So the next year, you can look back in the first quarter from the first investment that you made. And now you can pull money from that and do it all over again. That's how I do it. <laughs> hey, this is a calm flex right now. I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to no, nah, man, I, I love it. I love it. And, and I'm so glad that you said that because now let's let's transition a little bit just because yeah. you talked about investments and being able to invest in one quarter so you can eat, you know, the next quarter or the next year off of that. Mm -hmm. So I know this was a big investment you made, the Boss Up Conference. Oh, so, man. So talk to us, talk to us about that, man. Describe like, how that came into play and then, you know, what has it been like seeing the return on that investment or just what you've gotten from that experience? Yeah. So the boss of conference was not a big investment. It is an, it was a necessary investment. So you got to rationalize what's necessary and what's not for some individuals. It might've been a big investment, but when, when you think about putting up 25,000, cause I was like, that's it, man, I'm dead putting up 25,000 and now next thing you know you rubbing shoulders with Rick Ross you rubbing shoulders with the CEO of Sony you rubbing shoulders with the CEO of Bel Air right that's 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 a necessary investment that springboards you to new conversations new networks new connections right and not even to mention the other other big entrepreneurs that was there as well that you may not have been able to connect with until you all are not forced, but voluntarily sitting in the same room. You, you hear me? It's a difference, man. So fast forward, I got the co-sign of Rick Ross. I got the co-sign of Brett, the CEO of Belair. I got the co-sign of a lot of different people just because I made the necessary investment, but I understood how to network. When you get to a room like that and you don't understand how to network, you're going to fall through the cracks. There are people now that went to the boss of conference and they reach out to me. I can't even remember that they was there. I mean, just being hundred percent. I, I was like, damn, you was there too. They're like, yeah, I was. I'm like, well, it, cause they didn't, a lot of people didn't make the, not a lot, but a few, uh, a lot, a lot of people didn't make the best use of their time to be around the people that Rick Ross put us around and just Rick Ross himself. You know what I'm saying? They ain't talking about being in the man's face and being a fan. Nah, you got to be in the man's face and understand how to help him put some money somewhere to make his money grow. But if you're not ready for that type of room, so all right, so let me say this too. People be like, oh, you got to get in these rooms. You got to get in these rooms. My man, if you ain't ready to get in them rooms, it was pointless. And a lot of people keep saying, keep hearing that catchy phrase, you got to get in the room. You know, you got to be ready to get in that room. So if you ain't the dominant your own table, don't go in somebody else's dining room thinking you're going to sit at that table and have a voice because you're going to end up being drowned out like a church mouse, straight up. I mean, it's, it's lions and lionesses in that room. And if you weren't ready to be in that room, you could tell who, won't, who was ready and who not. So I definitely took advantage of it. It springboarded me to have the co-sign of Rick Ross anywhere I go. You know what I'm saying? I can hit up the big homie. The big homie hit me back. We can talk about business plans. We can talk about whatever. And that's because I was ready to be a part of that room because I was already 10 toes down in my own right. If you ain't 10 toes down in your own right, somebody somebody like him ain't going to co-sign. You, you ain't even like that in your own. You ain't If you ain't the champ in your own world, come on, man. Now you asking him to say, hey, shout your name from the mountaintop. He ain't finna do it. 
know what I mean? But you got to be ready to be a part of these rooms. And if you're not ready to be a part of these rooms, then get yourself ready. Patience is a virtue. I just got to keep circling back to that. People so ready to be the champion. People so ready to, to be in, in the room. But you got to make sure that you're the champion in your own circle, in your own world first, and then come jump in the room with the big boss. 100%. Yeah, hey Paul, go ahead and pass around the collection plate, bro. Are <laughs> you ready? I can't believe this is free. Listen, <laughs> listen. Now we might have to lock this episode away and charge for this, but um, no, listen, man. Uh, you you said a lot just now, and I want to kind of unpack some of it because I feel like there's some gems in there that people need to really get. Right. And you talked about you talked about being able to be in the room, but not just because that that's a great point. Right. Yeah. A lot of people is like they're going to hear this. They're going to be like twenty five thousand. Oh, perfect. Like I got that liquid. Got put that. away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in there, you know, and then they get there and it's like you wasn't even ready to be here. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to ask you. You know, from as someone being a boss who was able to connect with the biggest boss. Yeah. What would what would be some gems or some tips that you would give for someone to tell them when you get into a room like this? These are the things you need to be doing. If you could give three things, what would you say? Like, these are the top three things you need to be doing so that you're not wasting or squandering an opportunity. Tony, yeah, you got it. You got to be yourself. You can't be the best representative of yourself. Be your natural, authentic self. That thing right there for me, get me everywhere. I can't be nothing else. I'm not. I can't. I mean, I can't be a tree. I will never be a tree. You know what I'm saying? I will never be a desk. I'm going to be Jay White, first name, last name, everywhere I go. So you got to be yourself. Number two, you got to have a plan. Why are you even going? What you going for? Are you going just to say, I went? Are you going just to take a picture with Rick Ross? You can wait till you come to your town and, and do that at the concert and pay less. You can pay $79 and get backstage and take a picture with them. You got to have a plan. You know what I'm saying? What's the, Be yourself. What's the plan? And then number two, understanding how to network with the other individuals that are there, the other Boston Conference members. It ain't, it's bigger than Rick Ross. He's made it that way. He made the Boston Conference bigger than himself. So now you got to understand how to network you got to have a plan and you got to be yourself. If you ain't doing those three things, you're going to be lost. You're going to get ate up, swallowed up, chewed out, because you're going to just be in awe. You're going to be like, oh, man, I'm in the crib. Oh, my God, that's going to be wrong. Like you be, you're going to be so so starstruck, you ain't even going to handle no business because you ain't have a plan, you ain't being yourself, and you don't know how to network. Can, can, I, can I confess something to y'all? Uh, let me. Let's see. That's one of my biggest fears. What is it? like being in a position and not being prepared for it? Yeah. Showing up somewhere like <laughs> I was talking about this. I ain't gonna lie. I actually hit up one of my boys. I was like, dog, you know, we're interviewing Jason <laughs> this week. What would you ask him? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm genuine. I was like, what would you ask him? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's a disservice in, in instances like that to come on and be like, well, you know, how, how this, you know, just regular questions like mm-hmm. we've got to be able to one, serve you and two, be able to ensure that our people hear something different. Because mm-hmm. if we just ask questions, somebody asks, they might as well just go look that up. Yeah. Might as just uh, go to the federal and look right. at all your stuff, right? Plug, plug baby. <laughs> they might as well. So I think it's interesting, you know, with all that stuff, because I was even talking about one of my most favorite entrepreneurs, like, no disrespect to anybody else. If I was pick, I have a favorite entrepreneur and I don't know what I would say to her to this day. If I got in the room, Pinky Cole, right? Okay. I have no idea what I would say to her. Yeah. Cause it's just like that. Like we've yeah. talked about it. I'm like, I would just start fangirling and lose my, <laughs> like, whatever. And so that's one of my biggest fears. But on the backside of that, then I think the question that people really need to know the answer to is, so how do we like, how do you then become better at what you're already good at? Because there's there's levels to this, mm-hmm. clearly. Like, I promise you, in this present moment, we've understood, like, um, I don't know if you've read, uh, well, you say you don't read. 
<laughs> I was already be like, nah, I didn't. I didn't. Chill uh, out, bro. I told you I don't read. <laughs> uh, Myron Golden, right? Um, okay, nah, I, I know, I know, yeah, Myron. I've been a couple. Myron, years. he wrote that book, Boss Moves. So you know, read through it, and then there he talks about the the elevator example. So you come into the building, and there's level one, and you got to figure out everything on level one before you go on to the elevator. Press number two to go up to the second floor. Because if you just walk in and go to the second floor, you have no idea what you need to do to succeed there. Yeah, so there's yeah. levels to it. Mm-hmm. But how do people become better at what they're already good at? Because I think for a lot of people, they're like, I really want to kill it, but I don't even know how to push past where I'm at. Mm. I had a conversation with one of my boys. He was like, I know how to make half a million. Like this was Saturday. He's like, I know how to make half a million, but I don't know how to do 1.5. Mm. I don't know how to do two. Man. I could always come right back to this. And it's like, are you just going to revert back to, doing what you already done always and just get to that point and be like cool or how do yeah. you get better so for you man how do people get better what what they're already good at like how do people grow and get to that next so point? let me break it down with with me personally i didn't i didn't have an example right i'm the i'm literally the first it's other people talking about government contracting and stuff like that cool 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 cool, cool. that's cute and uh but i'm i'm doing the way i'm doing it i'm the first and i recognize that remember i told you i'm no better than anybody i just recognize that i'm different so I don't have examples to pull off of, but other people do. So let's just take break y'all down real quick. The podcasting world. Just look at who the best podcasters are, regardless of their race, regardless of their message, regardless of uh, the, the guests that they bring on. But watch how they operate. Watch how their backgrounds look. Watch how they Zoom calls look. Watch how they try to prepare. Watch what networks they're on. You know what I mean? Like you, when you got, when you're in the field, when it, you got a top dog, or a top person, you can just watch their footage. My man said it earlier, success leaves clues. It does. So all you got to do is just get up them crumbs and then eat them. Get them crumbs and eat them. And that'll take you to the next level. I, I tell, Rick Ross said it all the time. Rick Ross said, yo, I forgot what his favorite rapper was. He, he said it all the time. He got two favorite rappers. He, put, he watched them. But one of the dudes that he watched for business as a rapper was Jay-Z. He watched them. You know what I mean? perfect example why wouldn't you watch jay-z but rick ross did it his own way he started franchising wingstop okay cool and he knocking that down man he got tagged on with bel-air he was with ciroc for a little bit like you got to understand now to move a certain way you gotta if you get into that billion dollar level because that was his next level to get to all right let me watch this person that's a billionaire so if y'all if when you're trying to go to a next level and your man said he know how to get five hundred thousand, but he don't know how to get 1.2 Watch somebody that's done 1.2. Watch somebody that's done 2 million because they're going to leave the clues around their work hat, their work ethic, their habits, right? Some of the things that they constantly say, some, some of the things they constantly feed themselves in terms of information. I don't read books. I only do personal development, but that's still feeding my mental and my inside and still having me think great, a greater purpose in life than just federal government contracting. So I always say if it's a top dog, watch and study that top dog i mean when when i was playing basketball and thinking i was going to the nba all the only person i used to watch was ai i'm like he i'm like he my size he from my hometown he got the same hunger that i do i i play just like him let me just watch him then forget it and next thing you know i'm getting offers because now i'm watching his moves i'm doing everything he's doing to a t almost a prime example look at kobe you know what I mean? So every time we got a top dog in our industry, in our world, in our field, we got to study that top dog, like tooth and nail. We ain't trying to be like them. We trying to have the same success and big and big and beyond in what they got. 100%. So I want to go ahead and take this opportunity too, because, you know, we appreciate you coming on, man. And we want to be able to give you an opportunity too to, to, you know, talk about what you got going on as well. I mean, I know we we talked about a lot of things, but we got to talk about the course, right? Crack yeah, the code. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk about the crack the code <laughs> course, man. So tell the people about the course, you know, what does it look like? They join, what can they expect to, to get out of it? Drop some game on us. Now nah, that's what's up, man. So the course, the uh, crack the code is digital. It's a digital course. I don't know people's lives, man. People might got the nine to fives. People might have the 12 to sevens, whatever the case may be. So I definitely decided to make a, a digital self-paced course so you can take it at your own time. If you go right through it, 
It's only 2.5 hours. We made the course module style. So after every module, you can start to execute. After every module. It ain't a course where you just watching somebody talk you to death. And then at the end, you got to go back and rewind and say, what did he say first? Nah, at the end of each module, you're able to execute and learn. Wash, rinse, repeat. So you're going to be able to get things like understanding what a solicitation is, understanding how to submit a proposal without a proposal writer. Understand how to put your pricing on top of a subcontractor's pricing. Understanding communication with the sub, with the contract specialist. That's the person with the federal government. Understanding what it looks like to manage a contract and you're nowhere near that state. Understanding what it looks like to manage the subcontracting companies and you're nowhere near that state. Being hands-on, but hands-off at the same time. Understanding how to get residual income from the federal government month after month after month after month right doing something one time receiving payment every single month for the next four or five years right also too i don't drop nobody off so it's not just a digital platform my whole group zoom calls every single wednesday at 8 p.m eastern standard time so you can continue to ask me questions so you can continue to build your own confidence a lot of times people take courses and they they don't have the confidence to execute so i'm gonna give you the confidence to execute because you will be on the line with me my course completion rate as of last March is 98%. People don't take my course and don't finish. They take the course, finish and start to execute because that's how I made it. But also too, you're gonna get able to be in part of the uh, private Facebook group. So I'm creating different platforms so you can have a piece of access to me so you can get your confidence together. You can hear best experiences from a newbie that just started or the, one of my top students that's already won eight or nine contracts. At my course just came out last March. As of last March, I have a total of, I think we had a, a $11.2 million federal contracts won from students. That ain't even mine, from students since last March. That's great, that's phenomenal. We're talking about individuals that have no knowledge of federal government contracts, college students, um, the more seasoned adult, 60, 55 years old, getting into my course, winning, federal government contracting. Notice I ain't called them old, I called them seasoned. You feel me? Because it ain't too late. Everybody should be doing a piece of business with the federal government because that's the largest purchaser in the world. But the way I'm going to teach you how to do it is going to be a way that you're going to be like, yo, this is crazy. I never thought of it like this. It's going to be a mindset a mindset shift that you never thought of before. Um, so uh, the course is digital. You got All you got to do is go to thefederalcode.com and it's time to lock in. It's money loves speed, business loves speed. So if you're on the fence and thinking, come on and jump over and get it in because it ain't no time like the present, 100%. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> a bar right there. Listen, listen. So we're not going to hold you too much longer because yeah. you, you done already gave a whole lot of game on this. <laughs> it's time for me to go eat them chicken wings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask you this, this question. Yes, sir. From a standpoint of entrepreneurs, if you had to say right now, who would you say is on your Mount Rushmore of entrepreneurs? Hmm. That's a good question, man. So uh, my pops, RIP, he definitely up there, man. Yeah, he, he definitely, uh, as the years went on, he started to talk to me about entrepreneurship as I was in it. And I was like, Pops, this is crazy. Like, you never talked to me about this because he thought I had no interest in it. So he never talked to me about it because he thought I, would, I wouldn't have interest in it because of the role that I was headed down. You know what I mean? But as I started to understand the knowledge that my Pops had, he definitely up there. Um, entrepreneurs, man, it's, it's so many. But I, I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with another dude. I rock with him heavy. I think we cut from the same cloth. I like Wall Street Trap 100%. I think his message, I think the things that he talk about outside of stocks and how he wants to uh, economically empower his community, I rock with that 1,000%. So I'm definitely going to uh, vouch for Wall Street Trapper. And if y'all don't know who he is, I don't know what rock you've been under, 100%. Uh, and then after that, man, uh, man, the entrepreneur, I, you real talk, man. I like my man um, Grant Cardone too. I like I like I like his spirit. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I know he's big in the real estate and stuff like that. But if you hear, if you dig through the crates 
and you go to some of his early content, his mindset is a hustler's mentality. He wake up and he like, oh, I just got to go get it. I don't want to quit. I don't want to stop. And his story is crazy. So I'm going to just, and then I'm going to put myself up there too. You hear me? Because where I came from, when people say they got out the mud, I got out the mud. Like I supposed to be still in the mud, 100%. But I came out the mud and I got it from the mud. And now I'm understanding what it means to not be fearful to, you know, people get to a certain position and they say they, they keep going out of fear of reverting back to what they used to do. I ain't got no fear. Because if I go back to what I used to do, I know how to make $3 million. I know how to make $4 million. It ain't nothing to me. So if you take it away, I know how to get it right back. So I ain't fearful. So that's why my investments are like this and my mindset is different. I ain't no better than nobody. I just knew I was different. So those are my people in the Mount Rushmore, man, entrepreneur. Ain't nothing else to be said on the episode, man. <laughs> there you go right there. Listen, Jay, man, thank you. For yes, real, sir. Appreciate the time. Like, for real, for real. Appreciate it. No, nah, absolutely. This this was amazing. This episode about to do numbers. Let me just say it right now. This episode is about to do numbers. But for anybody listening, man, and this is their first time, you know, like, like being exposed to you, what will be some social media or like contact information that you would want to leave with them? Yeah, so I can be followed on uh, Instagram, man. That's my biggest platform. I'm going to get the Twitter. I'm going to get the Facebook and LinkedIn and all that. I ain't there yet. You know what I mean? But come come check me out at uh, Instagram at I am Jason White underscore. I am Jason White underscore. And if you talk to me, I'll talk back. Then just go check out my website too, uh, thefederalcode.com. I got a media page. So any podcast that I've been on, any shows, any stages that I've graced the stage and, and blew their stage in pieces, you're going to see it on that media page as well. So thefederalcode.com and Instagram at I am Jason White underscore. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, man. Bro, gratitude, man. I appreciate it. Ain't nothing to it, man. You know, I like what y'all doing. I like the platform, man. Y'all keep it pushing. Remember, y'all got a couple of goats on y'all platform. A couple of them. Successfully yeah. include studying, man. I, I'm pretty sure y'all going to bring me back later on and be like, yo, remember when? I'm going to be like, yo, remember when? You feel Most me? Definitely. <laughs> Most definitely we're going to make that happen, bro. That's yes, not man. even a question. You yes, know? So, man, to our lovely listeners, I ain't even got too much to say right now. Like, just go share this episode out. Go follow Jay. You know what I'm saying? Get in that course. This, mm-hmm. is, this is just unbelievable, man. I, I'm speechless. So, with that being said, Thanks for listening, y'all. Until next time, peace. Many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.